Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? It's Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you as always for another episode of the Steelers preview. That's right, it's Thursday, and we're starting to really gear up for the upcoming game. And as this, everyone knows, the Steelers play the New Orleans Saints down in the Big Easy in Week 16. There's a lot to talk about, and we're going to break it down for you the way we always do. But we has changed. We is not Jeff and Brian. Brian's out gallivanting around in California somewhere. And so I welcome another contributor to the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Dave Schofield. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing as best as I can. I'm ready for this game. Yeah, and if you've heard that name before, it's because Dave is the one that is constantly feeding Brian and myself statistics that we read on the air, whether it's on the standard is a standard or whether it's on the preview show. He's an active member in the live chat on YouTube. So if you recognize the name, now you get a face with the name. Brian does write for the site, does great work. So Brian, I have to ask you, or I kept sorry, I called you Brian. <laughs> Dave, this is going to take a little bit. I apologize. Dave, I have to ask you right off the bat, what is your what is your first gut instinct on this upcoming game? You were at the game last week in Pittsburgh, Heinz field. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere last week. And then what do you think will happen this week? Do you think some of that mojo might parlay over into next week? I am definitely looking for some of that mojo to keep going. Uh, that was the most electric I've ever seen Heinz field. Uh, there was a, a lady sitting next to me with two young boys. She was from California and uh, she had the had the boys there for their first game. And when the, the scoreboard went black with two minutes left for them to kick off Renegade, <laughs> I just turned to the, to the boys and say, you are never going to forget this. That's so true. pay attention. And that was the most memorable Renegade I've ever had because you you couldn't hear a thing. It was it was so crazy. Now, now hold on. Now you've, you're a season ticket holder, correct? That's correct. And how long have you had season tickets? Um, let's see. I got my tickets when they put in the extra seats. So that's, I think this is four years now. Okay. All right. So you missed some of the memorable ones. Like I'm thinking of, you know, Ravens, Steelers, AFC championship renegade. I think the one, uh, that, that sticks out to me and I've never, I was not there for it. Uh, but I remember it is when they did double renegade against the Cowboys in 2008. And that was leading up to, uh, the Super Bowl run, and that was when Tony Romo threw the pick six to Deshae Townsend, and then Heath Miller ended up scoring. I'm sure you remember that game. They did a double renegade there. I heard the place was going nuts, but you said it was rocking, and that's the loudest you ever heard the stadium, right? That's correct. I'm Like I said, I can only go by what I've been there for. Awesome. Well, I'm jealous because that's awesome. I wish I would have been there, have duties to take care of here in town. And with the website, you understand that. But nonetheless, what are your thoughts on this upcoming week? The Steelers Saints, do you think they match up well? Do you think it's a matchup nightmare? We're going to talk about key matchups here in a second, but just your general thoughts on the upcoming game. Uh, well, you, you almost can't even look at this game without looking at last week mainly because I felt going into last week that was going to be the defining moment of the season. They were either going to finally take down the Patriots, start winning some games again, and carry it through into the playoffs, or they were going to fall short again and just kind of fade off into oblivion. And they they did what they needed to do. They won the game, and now they're moving forward. I One of the things I like the most about this game coming up is how they are not favored how much of an underdog they are because I would be more leery with the, with the letdown after the Patriots, if they were not, if, if they were favored to win, but since they're not favored, um, I think it, it it's a little bit different attitude moving forward of, Hey, you know what? Don't believe in us. That's fine. We're going to come show you what it's about. Yeah. The underdog role, man. I think they can thrive on that. They don't experience that too much anymore. Um, in a situation where I, I think you could get that disrespect factor, you know, uh, the, the line has jumped everywhere from seven to five and a half in some cases. Um, I think you could absolutely pump up the, you know, no one, like you said, no one's believing that we can do this. We just beat the Patriots. The, you know, they were the AFC representative in the Super Bowl last year. Um, here's this, here's something that I would be interested in. I don't think you know this off the top of your head, although I might be wrong. Um, I would be curious when the last time in we'll say the last five years, the Steelers were underdogs two straight weeks. Cause they were 
they weren't favored last week against New England, and they're not favored this week against the Saints. That, that would be a curious statistic. You don't know that, do you? If you do, my mind might explode. <laughs> I do not know that one, but that is a great one that I think uh, – as soon as we're done here tonight, you, you do this to me all the time. You, you, you throw, put these ideas in my head and then I, I've got to follow through. I've got to figure out the answer yeah. to it. So well, uh, I don't think I'll be able to sleep tonight till I figure that one out. Well, I'm glad because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm an ideas guy. Like I think of the idea, I don't want to do that work. I don't want to go through pro football reference and find all these years of data. That's what you're for. That's why I brought you on the staff. That's you're my guy, man. You're my stats guy. That's what I like. That's and hey, anytime you just give me the idea and I'll roll with it. <laughs> All right, so let's get started here tonight. As you know, because I know you listen to the show, and if any if anyone's listening for the first time, uh, what we do is we break down this the upcoming game by three key matchups. We each give our three one at a time, and then obviously some of them could be very specific, like player versus player. Some could be more general, um, and some might be like those intangibles, like being an underdog or something like that. It, we, we keep it loose here is what I'm saying. Um, and anytime you're doing anything with Brian Davis, you have to keep it loose because that's just <laughs> how he functions. So I know he's not going to listen to this. So I don't care. All right. So, uh, um, you're the guest. Uh, I'll give you a chance to go first. Um, I don't want to mess up the mojo. I, mean, I don't even know <laughs> that three game losing streak messed up so much mojo. I don't even know who's supposed to go first, but we'll I think I went first last week, but I didn't in something. It doesn't matter. Just go ahead and go. What's your first key match of this upcoming game? All right. Well, this one for me is obvious because um, it's near and dear to my heart, and that is the offensive line for, of the Steelers going up against that number one, number two ranked rush defense of the Saints. That uh, the Saints are – Number one in yards, rushing yards given up on the season with 1,107. And they're number two with yards per rush that they've given up uh, with the only team that's ahead of them. Let's see, who is it? I think it's, oh man, I can't believe I don't know that one. But I do know that it's uh, 3.68 yards per attempt uh, that they that they give up. So with with that stout run, defense it's really going to come down to the offensive line to open up those holes much like they did last week in order to at least have some semblance of a running game that's a good one and i think that's where if you're if you're like me and you're thinking to yourself okay where are the real matchups lying um it's going to be the offensively it's going to be that that line but i'm going to piggyback and kind of add on to that a little bit for my first key matchup and and mine's going to be balance I think when you look at the statistics that you just rattled off about the New Orleans Saints defensive front and how good they are against the the run, that a lot of people would say, well, let's just sling it. Let's just sling the rock. And I'm not saying that they won't because, if, in fact, I actually think they probably will. But they, in, in my opinion, and Lance always laughs at me, he said, you know, there's certain – there's certainties in life, you know, death taxes and Jeff talking about offensive balance for the Steelers. It's just what happens. And so I always think that it doesn't have to be 50, 50, because I know that that is with Ben Roethlisberger and Randy Feetner calling the shots. I feel like that is an unattainable goal to be 50, 50, but give me 60, 40 and heck maybe even, you know, 65 35 i'd be happy with that uh they just have to try and run the football and i'm not talking about this half-ass stuff like they did in oakland i'm thinking you have to actually commit yourself to running the football because if not you're gonna you're gonna run into the the hornet's nest that is that secondary which can take the ball away and they can get after the passers so you can't be predictable they need to go down there and they don't need to run heavy looks they need to be balanced spread them out try to run the football I think this line can do it. Um, I think they're going to have some time, you know, to prepare. Saints are coming off a short week. They played on Monday Night Football. So take that for what it's worth. But that's my key matchup. Number one is try to have some semblance of balance offensively. So, Dave, what do you think? I, I like that notion. Um, it's the Houston Texans, by the way, just so I can okay. clear up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the, got the best um, yards against. Um the one thing you have to remember with that is sometimes the, the stats are a little bit off. I pretty much feel that any pass where the ball is in the air for less than maybe eight yards or that's just a quick dump off to the running back is basically a run. Mm-hmm. That sometimes 
uh, and we I think we even saw more last year than this year that that is the most effective running that we that we get, which is still technically off of a pass, which just allows the running back to clear that line of scrimmage and get into the open space right away. Where in essence it goes down as a pass play, but still it's a run play. So I think as long as you kind of include that into that balance that that's really something that they should be looking for. Yeah, and that's something Ben Roethlisberger spoken about uh, during his media sessions is that those short screens, those quick hitter passes are, are really an extension of the running game. And so I agree with that. And that's why I said that I don't need 50-50. I, you know, if those passes tend to be, if it's more, like I said, 60-40 or even 65-35%, I'm okay with that because I understand it's a throwing league. And right now, especially with James Conner not looking like he's going to play this week, the, the, the best chance for them to succeed is to move the ball down the field through the air. But at the same time, I do feel like it's important to also run the rock at the same time. So go ahead with your key matchup number two there, Dave. All right. Well, this might seem like a bit of a cop out here, but uh, I'm going to go again with the uh, Steelers defensive line against the Saints beat up offensive line because uh, the Saints do have, I think they have four offensive linemen on the injury report. I think two didn't practice yesterday and two were limited. I think one of them came back to be limited today. So they have one, one offensive lineman that's still out and three that are limited. So it's hard to say what their offensive line is going to be looking like. So with uh, that, with the emergence of Javon Hargrave recently and Hayward intuitive always just been for the most part studs up the middle, just being able to just own that line of scrimmage is going to be the key, whether it's just sh- trying to stuff the runs up the middle or most importantly, getting pressure on Drew Brees from the middle. Yeah. Uh, you're right. And we talked about this last night and the standard is a standard. Uh, Chris Carter joined us from DK Pittsburgh sports about how, and Lance, you piggybacked on this about how short course, shorter quarterbacks, you want to really pressure them up the middle, get those big bodies in their face. They can't see as well. And Drew Brees is, is a great quarterback, but he's just not that tall. So I agree. That's a great matchup for me. I'm going to kind of go outside the box here a little bit. If you hadn't paid attention today, uh, one Cameron Jordan defensive lineman for the New Orleans saints today, it did, it did something that's very rare anymore, except if your name's Jalen or uh, Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey's been given bulletin board material since the offseason. But let's be honest, most teams, most coaches, they understand the game, and that is you don't give the other team anything that they can use for motivation for that bulletin board material that we're talking about. And yet, here we go. Cameron Jordan uh, says to Saints reporters from the New Orleans Saints website that he doesn't think that Ben Roethlisberger is a top-five quarterback of his generation. Um and he even went as far as saying he would put Eli Manning ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. And so that really turned a lot of heads. I know it made my ears pucker up. I was like, really? Eli Manning? Um, I understand Eli's won too, but let's be honest, Ben's been a little bit more successful throughout his career uh, than Manning, in my opinion. So, I mean, all this stuff's going on. I just think that if I'm looking at a matchup, it's the offensive line versus Jordan, but it's also Big Ben going out there and throwing some touchdowns and looking at that guy in the face saying, Hey, who's hall of fame now. And I don't think Roethlisberger cares. I really don't because his resume is his resume it, early in his career. When he won the super bowls and made it to a third, a lot of people, it was always the, and, but you know, the, well, and you know, he had a good defense, but you know, he didn't have this or that, whatever the case may be. Now he has the statistics to back it up in terms of yardage, 500 yard games, uh, six touchdown games, 400 yard games, all that stuff that we hear now almost a nauseum when he has a big game. If there's a time for Big Ben to kind of go loose, you think this is the, the perfect setting outside of the fact that it's on the road, but you have a dome, so you have good conditions on the turf, fast. Um, I think that their personnel matches up well with New Orleans Saints, but it's just that Ben Roethlisberger, Cameron Jordan, that whole backstory going on. That's my matchup number two. I know it's not really a matchup, but at the same time, it can be motivational. I think the Steelers, uh, you know, Marquise Pouncey today in his locker room and the locker room after practice said all the right things about how he can say what he wants, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, that pisses them off because it pisses me off and I'm just a fan. So, uh, Dave, what, I'm sure you saw the video. It was uh, posted by our contributor, Simon Chester. Um, it kind of went viral. Uh, everyone, 
ESPN, all these uh, major outlets wanted it because the Saints took it down right away and he had it. So um, what were your thoughts on what Jordan had to say for uh, Ben Roethlisberger? Um, I could pull Marquise Pouncey and say, <laughs> you know what? Say whatever you want to say. But really, I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. I mean, Ben is what Ben is. I know this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Uh, that class, that, that draft class of those three quarterbacks from 2004, always going to be compared to each other. And it was always, you know, Ben's got two, Eli's got two, Rivers doesn't have any. Well, now Rivers is having a good year this year, and everyone wants to talk about, well, was he really the best quarterback of those three? They're just looking at right now. So, and it's so much more than just right now, because as we can see with Ben right now, changes from week to week all the time. I mean, in that game against Jacksonville in the regular season last year, uh, after that game, trust me, no one wanted to put him in the Hall of Fame. But you just, you have to look at it as a whole. It's so hard to, to talk about the Hall of Fame when someone's still playing. Um, you really have to look at it, you know, that's I, that's probably the biggest reason why you have to wait five years before you're eligible because you really need to put the career in perspective after it's already over. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so I think that will be some motivation for the Steelers, not that they would need any. Um, we're, they're going to know a lot before they even play this game on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's get to your third key matchup, Dave. What is your final matchup for this upcoming game? All right. Here's one out of the box for you as well. Since since you did it, I'll do it. Um, go. I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin versus his second half timeouts. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> the last two weeks have driven me crazy. Um, you don't think about the one from the Patriots game because this time it worked out. But what are you doing? calling a timeout two weeks in a row on fourth down on defense with the clock stopped when it gives the advantage more to the offense by having the timeout. The cardinal rule of coaching with timeouts is never take it when it's a greater advantage to the other team. Um, I could even tell a real quick story of my last football play I ever coached um, from when I coached high school football was a team, the short version is the team had just scored on a long punt return. We were up eight points with no time left on the clock. They scored on a punt return. I turned to my assistant coach, the defensive coordinator. I said, your call. I said, you got the timeout. Call whatever defense you want. It's up to you. And he said, I'm not giving them the chance to set something up. We didn't call the timeout. Threw them for a five-yard loss. We win the game by two. Well, that's Never give the offense the timeout that they need to set something up. Uh, yeah, but was it just me? And maybe because you weren't, you were there live um, on TV. Boy, did it look like this, the Steelers defense was absolutely gassed. I mean, TJ Watt was holding his knees and I, 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 I didn't have, his, I, I understood what you're saying and I understood the theory and I did think it was a little bit bad to call the timeout there. But at the same time, I felt like, if there was a time where Tomlin felt things could get chaotic and someone like a Terrell Edmonds might not be where he should be um, and giving the guys a chance to get themselves some energy back in that instance, I understood a little bit why he did it. And I know that it breaks the Cardinal rule that you said, but I, I, I guess I'm picturing myself and we've seen it a million times. He doesn't call a timeout. Brady drops back. TJ Watt and Bud Dupree are both just basically playing. They're basically dancing with the offensive tackles. And then there's a big completion on a gaff. Down. I don't know. I see both sides. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I completely see what you're saying. And that is not something that I would have been able to see in game. I'm not quite to that point of the, of the game of rewatching it again, breaking it down. Um, and that happened um, in the end zone opposite of where my seats are. So it was really far down there that I couldn't see if they were really, I mean, if there was going to be a penalty or, or something like that, where the players were just gassed, I would say it's a little bit more uh, forgivable. The fact that they didn't give up the, the completion is definitely forgivable, but do you really want to give Tom Brady 
and Bill Belichick a little bit extra time to decide what play is going to really be best when they can only run one? Well, no, but I also – I don't know. I feel like from the defensive standpoint that this team also got a chance to make sure they were prepared because maybe they didn't have the personnel out there. or Maybe they wanted, let's say, Chicolo to go in for Dupree to get some fresh legs out there, or maybe um, they wanted to change their scheme. I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. I understand what you're saying. And, hey, Tomlin, I, there's one thing that really chaps my rear end, and that is when – the Steelers blow third quarter timeouts. That's you talk about timeouts in the second half. Oh that yes, I can't done. stand that because you want your full allotment heading into the final frame, and if it means that you take a delay a game, it's I don't know. I, I have I guess in my opinion because I coached, I didn't coach football, but I coached, and it's all about preparation. Uh, you know the the delay a game penalty should never be an option based on the fact that you should always be prepared for what's coming up. You know what I mean? So for me. I understand what you're saying, and I think that's good. I think Mike Tomlin's got a lot of cleaning up to do on his sideline from a challenges standpoint, especially, as well as, you know, you have now you brought up the timeouts, which is a good point as well. Well, so, remember, that's what he did the week before in Oakland. He called the timeout before fourth down after stopping them for three straight downs. Yep. And then they come out and they score on it. So you're right. You're they're, right. They're 50 50. Yeah. So, okay, I'll go to Mike key matchup number three and this one is simple yet it's so so important and it's something the Steelers have failed at repeatedly this season and that is don't turn the football over it's really simple this is a this is a game and you, we said this last week Brian and I did and you saying you can't turn it over when the, the Steelers got lucky they, they lost the turnover ratio which is the norm now for the Steelers but two they had two interceptions and they took one away with Joe Hayden's pick that the Steelers are going to have to win the turnover battle in this game. Uh, you're on the road. You're not in you know, a hostile environment. I think this is a situation where Roethlisberger has to play a clean game. Now, I understand that that second pick, you could say it might not have been his fault. Eli Rogers was supposed to drive his man off, and they he and Brown, A.B., kind of got jumbled there, and it got bobbled and picked. Uh, and so that's not necessarily on Roethlisberger there. Uh, he did overthrow the first one, though. He can't do that, period. Cannot do it. The Steelers are a team that has to really focus. I, I'm not going to say that they have to win the turnover rate ratio. If they just play a clean game, I think they have a really good chance of winning. I don't even know what their ratio is now. Are they are they minus double digits now, Dave? you know that off the top of your head? Uh, let's see. They were going into New England. I'm pretty sure they were minus nine. That'd be minus 10 now. Yeah. That should make them to minus 10, but yeah, um, that's awful. Yeah. Don't, don't quote me on that, but see that statistic can be skewed completely because you know, I remember a couple weeks ago when you all talked about, Oh, well, no team that's finished minus whatever has ever won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, well you could, you could play, you could play 16 games and then 13 of them, you're, zero or plus one for just a couple of them. But then you have those three games where you're minus five, minus six and minus four. That's what's going to really, and you know, and those are games that you lost and those could have been games early in the season. So it really, to me, I think it matters more as you, as you're trending at the end of the season and with the Steelers, obviously they're not getting a bunch of takeaways. They just haven't done that all season. So it's very important for them to take care of the ball and not count on the defense to get the takeaways. Because when the Steelers have more than two turnovers in a game, um, they are basically a 500 team, but on the road, they're only 17, 27 and one. Um, I think that's since Mike Tomlin started was took over as the coach, but when they get down to just two turnovers in a game, they're, they're, they're 500 on the road. And then they have a much better overall record. So you've got it. You, you've got to come in very clean, you know, at most one. And then after that, you've really just got to take care of it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I wrote an article that ran this afternoon. It was probably about, uh, I think a three thirty published maybe. Uh, and it was about how is road been a thing of the past? Because that's something the Steelers used to always talk about fans. I'm, I'm sorry. used to always talk about how poor Ben Roethlisberger played away from Heinz field. And it's kind of tough. I basically went to this season because, Clearly, they've played 14 games, seven on the road, seven at home. And I looked at just the averages of like completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, quarterback rating. It's actually pretty even. Um, 
Yeah, he's thrown more interceptions on the road, but he has a better completion percentage on the road than he does at home. Record's essentially the same. I just, I, the, the crux of my article was essentially stating that I think Ben is kind of leveled out. Um, he's not really good at home and really bad on the road. I wouldn't say he's really good either. He's just kind of consistently Ben. <laughs> that can be good or bad, but I feel like road Ben is a thing of the, at least not this year. It could be a thing of the past. So um, for me, you know, they're going on the road and a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, Ben on the road, Well, not necessarily this year. When you look at the statistics, I mean, Dave, you see what I'm talking about, right? Oh, absolutely. Because I, I ran some of those statistics for you earlier this season. And before that game in Denver, they had a fantastic road record going on yeah. for a while, you know, especially if you take away playing in Baltimore, yeah. but they had quite, quite the road streak going. So you can't put that on road Ben. I, I think he really has even it out for the most part, which the, the, the thing that's tough is I'm much like you. I see the potential in this team. I see how they could, how great they can play. And it used to be, well, when they're at home, we'll get to see that when they're on the road, we hope to see it now. We don't know when we're going to see it. <laughs> it could be. And then honestly, with this team, it can be one game. It could be a quarter. It could be a half. I mean, we've really seen it all so far this season, whether it's horrible starts to great starts and great finishes and horrible finishes. It's going to be up to this team to start putting it together. And I think that last game was a step in the right direction. They have not reached the end result yet. And I don't want people in the live chat or in the comment section of the articles for this saying, what are you talking about, Jeff? You're nuts. This team is inconsistent. Trust me, they're as, as inconsistent as it gets. But I think that the week 15 game was at least a step in the right direction. So there you have all our key matchups. Uh, we kind of strayed away from uh, ground zero <laughs> a little bit. That's okay. But we're, now we're going to go into the player player to watch the key player whatever you want to call it it's the one guy and it could be on either team that is that guy that could really turn the tide one way or the other it's the player to watch the player that you think might have a breakout game for whatever reason so dave who is your key player for this upcoming game week week 16 it's if it's so hard to pick just one. I mean, that's the thing because you you, you look at, you know, do you want to say something like a Joe Hayden going up against a, a Michael Thomas who hasn't? Yeah. He's kind of been held in check the last few weeks. You I mean, can only you wanna, pick one, Dave. Come I on. know. I mean, you could also look like a TJ <laughs> Watt. Is he going to get to Drew Brees? So honestly, it's really going to come down to Ben. It, I mean, yeah. you have to say Ben because if he can take care of the ball, play clean hopefully not have to throw the ball 67 times and and just not put the Steelers in a bad situation with any kind of turnover it's that's what it's really going to come down to yeah uh, you're right and and uh, it, that's it's the truth i'm going to go a different way and i think that if the Steelers are going to win this game they're going to put up some points and when the Steelers put up a lot of points there's uh there's one player that is typically really playing well and that's number 84 and i also look at the fact that if you didn't hear anyone listening to this uh that juju smith schuster on thursday left practice early with a groin injury now we don't know the severity of it it could just be a little tweak and they're like hey leave you know, go get your treatment now practice is done for you the the friday practice how how he does he practice fully is he limited will really dictate uh whether he'll be available Got to think they're going to lean on the side of caution here if that's the case. But let's say Juju does not play, then Antonio Brown's going to have to step up. It's going to be Antonio Brown's show. And I think he sometimes thrives in that. I think he likes that pressure on him. And so I'm going to say 84. Um, I think we've seen it before, and I've, I've said it said it last night, and I've said it last week, and I've said it the week before that. I'm still waiting for that Antonio Brown breakout game. He scored more touchdowns than he ever has in his, in his entire career. But I want to see that breakout game, that game where all of a sudden he goes for 140, two touchdowns, you know, something crazy. I'm tempted to even say, heck, he might even throw a pass. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd like to see it more, not even as much the yards, because sometimes he's gotten a lot of yards because of the big play. Yeah. I'd like to see the number of receptions really up there. I would love to see that game again where he hits double-digit receptions. 
it's been a while. I, I'm trying to think if there's even a time this season that he what was the last time? I don't think he has this year, but I haven't. That is stunning. Now I'm not, I don't, I know you don't know for sure, but if that's the truth, that's stunning. If he hasn't hit double digit receptions yet this year, because we know Juju has done it. Um, I think he did it two weeks ago in Oakland. I think he had 10, Um, but I know Ben spreading the ball around and I'm not, I'm not against that, but at the same time, man, I'll tell you what, uh, this is a game where if Juju can't play Antonio Brown, it's your show. You got to take care of business. And uh, so there you go. You say Ben, I say AB. They got to work together. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, to myself, that could be a handcuff situation in fantasy football. If you're not sure what listening, if you're on what a handcuff situation is, it's when you basically tie a receiver and quarterback together, handcuff them together for every reception that the quarterback has to said receiver. You get points for both. You kind of double your money. There you go. Double your points, I should say. Hopefully double your money. So now we go into our fantasy football segment of the show where we basically pick a player we're going to start and a player you're going to sit in the upcoming game. It could be for whatever reason. Now, Dave, I'm going to warn you, don't be a cop-out guy like Brian does and say that you're not going to play an injured player because that's common sense. As most people's fantasy football leagues are rounding out and are done, now we focus on your daily fantasy football, your Flandle league. Um, yeah, you stuff like that. Fandle is probably the most predominant one, so we'll just refer to that. So who's your player to start this week that you're saying, you know what, I got a good feeling this is a good money Put your money on this guy. Who is it? Okay. Well, to clean it up, AB did have one game this year where he had 10 receptions. That was against the Chargers. Really? Um, yes. Really? So I, that's often forgotten whenever it's a loss. Yes. Um, I hate to double dip, but I, I think it's Ben again. I know that he's probably going to be one of those guys that's going to cost an awful lot if you want to put him in your fan duel. But if the Steelers, if you feel that the Steelers are going to be in this game, then it's going to be because Ben really has to step up. I, I like your pick of AB, but the only way AB is going to have a monster game is if Ben kind of has one to go along with it. So I would say, you know, if you can maybe play in a, a lower guy somewhere else and you can get a little bit of extra um, to spare for your quarterback, I'd go ahead and, and go with Ben this week. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's tough to disagree with that. If I were to go with a guy to start, and again, I'm thinking value here because Ben's going to cost you about eight thousand. It might even gone up a little bit. He might be eight two, something like that in your Fanduel league. If you're looking for someone that's not going to be as much money, but you want someone that can get you some points, I'm going to go with Jalen Samuels again. But don't expect a lot of rushing yards from him in this game. I expect the Steelers to use him like he was used in NC State this week. And if you don't know what he was done in NC State, he was their Swiss Army knife, as Mike Tomlin would call it, when he used to refer to Muhammad Sanu as the guy that can do it all. Um, he was the guy that would line up at tight end. He'd line up in the slot. He would he'd do everything for him. And he got the football. He's great hands. I think that the Steelers, especially if Juju Smith-Schuster's out, they're not going to shy away from going five wide. Don't be surprised if Jalen Samuels is one of those players that's out wide and he might get you some really good receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. I would say start Jalen Samuels because I don't think James Conner is going to play. And I think that Jalen Samuels is going to get a lot of touches. So the question with Jalen Samuels is, does he get into the end zone? That's the key. He did not get into the end zone last week. And if you're talking fantasy, you want those extra points. So, but I'm going to say start Jalen Samuels. I think he's a good, he's a good guy to add, and he's not going to cost you a ton of money. Could be in your flex spot or something of that nature, and not break the bank, but it still could get you a lot of production. So keep that in mind too. So, Dave, uh, unless you have a disagreement with that, who are the players that you are player that you say you don't want them, sit them, not worth it. Well, first of all, I'm going to say I do agree with that, that um, I think especially for the value, the Jalen Samuels, he's either going to he's either going to have a big payoff or he's going to be like, oh, man, he only got me a couple. But if you're not paying much for him, then that's sometimes what you expect. Uh, the one person that I would steer clear from because I'm allowed to use guys from either team, right? Yeah. I am going to steer clear of Mark Ingram. Okay. Because even though he's more of their goal line back and everything else with the Steelers um, have a pretty stout up the middle defense with their defensive line, I see 
uh, the Saints seeing the success that the Panthers had early on in the game using Christian McCaffrey the way that they did, and that's got um, Kamara written all over it. So I th- I think he's the player that they're going to have on the field even more this game. Um, watch Ingram end up getting four carries with two touchdowns because he's, it goes in at the one-yard line because I said this. But <laughs> really, I, I only see – that's the only way I really see him going off. I know they've tried to split it some with them a good bit, but I just – I don't see when you go to match up against the defense, I, I see that I, I see Kamara being the much better play than Ingram. Yeah, that's that's definitely a I can especially with Kamara in there, and he's such a good red zone threat as well. Um, for me, I'm gonna say if you're gonna sit a player, I there's some people that want to go with you know the two tight ends for the Steelers. You have Vance and Jesse James, and a lot of people they're constantly you know who do I play. I think the offense has definitely been trending towards Vance McDonald in the past few weeks. And Jesse James has gotten some targets, but they trust Vance McDonald, I think, more with blocking assignments and things of that nature. Um, and so I would say don't play Jesse James. If you had the option of going with Vance, even though he has a little bit more money, I think he has a better production rate than Jesse James. Um, and I think Ben Roethlisberger trusts him a little bit more as well. So take that to the bank. I'm going to say sit Jesse James. And if you have the option, start Vance McDonald, because he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be another good target for you. So there you have it. Um, let's get down to predictions here. Um, we go into predictions next. We always talk about the AFC North first. Um, no one really cares about the Browns or the Bengals because they're basically out. I know the Browns are not technically out of it, eliminated. They need like three teams to have ties and two other teams to basically lose. I, I don't know. In some fashion, <laughs> I haven't figured it out exactly, but I, I do know. They've got to win both their games. Baltimore has to lose both their games. Um, Denver's got to lose one. And then you got the Colts and the Titans that are that are both a game and a half up on them. And the problem is they play each other last week of the season. Right. So not only do they have to tie, they have to tie that game. Yeah. And then there has to be some other tiebreakers in there as well. But but come on. I mean, it, it's easy to do the, the Browns and the Bengals. They play each other this week. Uh, I really don't like the state of Ohio. I've stated that before. Um, so we can do it though. Um, no, I mean we don't have to. I'm just saying. I I'll mean, take, it, it I'll take the Browns. I don't even know where the game is, but I'll take the Browns. It's in Cleveland, and they're favored by ten. Mm, well, in that case, if we're doing spreads, I'll take the Browns. No, it's well, I'll take the Browns straight up. I'll take the Bengals getting points. Okay, that's that sounds good. I'll do the same. <laughs> okay, now let's get to the important game. Saturday night, 8-20, the Baltimore Ravens travel to the L.A. Chargers in a huge game for both teams. The L.A. Chargers need this to stay, keep pace, or put some really heavy pressure on the Chiefs as they play on Sunday night against the Seahawks for that AFC West and top seed. It's hard to believe the Chiefs, who were like the top team in the AFC the entire year, if the chargers win and the chiefs lose they're all of a sudden going to be the fifth seed it's it's just crazy to me so um i look at this and say that uh, i think definitely uh it's gonna be a tough pick who do you got baltimore ravens or um chargers well first of all what i can't believe is that this game is the spread's only four that i'm like you mean to tell me that that they expect a better game from the Ravens going to the Chargers than they do the Steelers going to New Orleans? Um, that kind of surprised me, but I know a lot of people are very high on Baltimore's defense. But uh, Melvin Gordon returns. He is he's not he doesn't even have a designation for this game, wow. um, so he will be back. Um, Keenan Allen is questionable, so um, but then again they're not playing the Steelers, so who knows how. You know, that's that's who he's going to take it to. Who knows what Baltimore would do? Um, but they got plenty of other receivers. I, I I think San Diego, after that that gutsy two point conversion, go for the win. Let's try to go win this thing. They've got to be carrying that back into their place for a prime time game on a Saturday. So I'm I'm going to go with the Chargers. Okay, I, for some reason I think you asked about the spread. I think the Vegas thinks that the, and I kind of agree. Um, excuse me, the Ravens, their game travels well, you know, especially now with Lamar Jackson and he runs the ball so much and the defense is good. So for me, um, I think that that's a pretty decent spread. Um, 
And the Chargers, uh, they're pretty consistent, I guess, if you look at their the body of work for this year. Call, I said this last night when we did our predictions there as well. Um, I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to think that for some reason, somehow, some way, the Ravens find a way to win this game. Um, call it a gut instinct. I'm not sure. But ultimately, I think that the Baltimore Ravens are a team that is scrappy. I think Lamar Jackson is such a unique beast. And I don't want people to think that I want the Chargers to lose. <laughs> I don't. I want the Ravens to lose. It's going to make the road into the playoffs easier for the Steelers. But um, if I'm giving my honest opinion, I think that the – I look at this Ravens team, and, and I just think the defenses are really struggling with how to defend Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's going to be figured out sooner or later. I'm just not sure it's going to happen this week. Would I be stunned if the Chargers win this game? Absolutely not. But if I'm also going to be putting my money down, I'm going to say that the, um, I think that I think the Ravens win. So there you go. I think it's going to put more pressure on the, uh, they're going to put more pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night, which, or Sunday afternoon, I should say, which is another key factor here. By the time the Steelers, the, by by the time their heads hit the pillow on sun Saturday, they should know a lot because the Tennessee Titans and Redskins play at 4:30 on Saturday. If somehow the Redskins are able to beat the Titans, it's going to basically end their playoff hopes. That's one less team the Steelers have to worry about. That does factor into this playoff situation in terms of the Colts and the Titans who are continuing to hang around. And then obviously the Chargers, if the, if the Chargers win, the Steelers then can clinch the AFC North with a win on Sunday. So we'll see what happens. But now we get to our big game, Saints, Steelers, 425 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What is the spread right now that you see? Uh, the spread that I saw right before we came on, um, honestly, it was on Yahoo Sports. I saw that it was six. Okay. Well, that sounds, that's right in the middle. I've seen as high as seven, five and a half. Let's go with six. Um, what do you, uh, what, what's your, what are your thoughts? How do you see the game playing out? And what's your prediction? Well, are you, uh, is it, is it okay to do a Dave Schofield stat of the week when I'm actually on the show? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Your stat of the week. Because no, I mean I, I've been I've been feeding them to 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 Brian now. I I, I didn't know if I was allowed to do it if I was on here myself. Hey, hey your stats, man, go for it. So um, when I look at stats, I basically um, it all starts with the words. I wonder, you know, you know, thinking back on some Steeler games, I wonder what this is. I wonder what that is. I wonder what that trend is. And sometimes you just shoot me an I wonder. So I was wondering, I'm like, I know the Steelers have a pretty good December record. How are they for the very last two games of the season? And they are currently on a five-game winning streak for the last two games of the season. Uh, the only team that's got a, a longer streak is Kansas City, who has a streak of seven. But um, I'm like, well, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back five years. Let's see how the Steelers have done in their final two games over the last five years. Well, remember some of the times they're resting players, even though they're resting players, nine and one. They're nine and one in the last five seasons in the final two weeks of the season, which means they really finish well. And that one loss was that was the Ryan Mallett debacle in Baltimore, um, which I was at that game. And, uh, I don't think I'll ever go back to that stadium again. Uh, so, but then I even look back further with with uh, under Coach Tomlin, and in in the eleven seasons under Coach Tomlin, the Steelers are eighteen and four in the last two weeks of the season, with uh, one loss being well, two losses in Baltimore. One of which was the one I already mentioned. The other was um, was a um, a Charlie Batch game where Ben and Heinz Ward were rested. Um, the Steelers have generally played really well to close out the season um, under Mike Tomlin. So with that being said, I got to put a little bit more weight behind that, especially, you know, coming off the, the, the big win this past week. I'm, I'm going to be the homer. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pick the Steelers. And let's see, what am I going with here? I'm going with the Steelers 34 to 30. OK. I like those stats and they do typically finish very well. And that's, and you think about last year, you know, week 17 game against Cleveland. That was Landry Jones started Juju Smith Schuster returns a kick return for a touchdown. They had no business winning that game yet. They still found a way to win. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Now for me, I think that this game is going to be a little bit different than people might believe. I think that it is going to start out slow. Um, I could even see the first half being a rather low scoring affair. But I think in the second half, things kind of loosen up. 
I think that last week's game was a springboard and not a setup for a letdown. And I think that's the two, those are the two teams of or two basically thought processes that Steeler fans go through right now. There's the, oh, they won last week against the Patriots, they never beat the Patriots, letdown game. And then there's those people that think, man, you beat the Patriots, you're, you're on a roll. I'm the, in the, I'm on a, they're on a roll group. And so I think that the Steelers win this game. I think it's going to be really close. I'm going to say final score Steelers 28, New Orleans Saints 27. One point differential. I think the Steelers win. And I've said it before. And um, I don't think the Steelers lose again. I, I don't know what it is. I think the defense is rounding in a form. Um, I don't think they lose in the regular season, and I think they go on a postseason run. I think this team is a little bit different than last year. I don't think they're as arrogant as they were last year. Last year, and I hate to say it, but number 26 was a, a big reason for some of that arrogance and that air of invincibility. And then well, the Jacksonville Jaguars smacked them right in the face, and then they, there, there you go. You're done. So um, I say 28-27. You said 34-30. Both of us had the Steelers winning. If you're watching live in the uh, – if you're watching live – Make sure that uh, you let us know what your predictions I, are. I got a couple questions about yours. Sure. You say one point victory. Are you? Is it going to be um, touchdown to win, field goal to win, defense holding him at the end? What's your I think, I think the Steelers are going to – see, I'm thinking about your stat about Roethlisberger comebacks and how it's never <laughs> – was it three points? He never does. Um, I think the Steelers are going to have a lead, and they're going to have to protect it. Um, I don't think it's going to be a situation where, you know, it, it might be, it's, it's unique. Sometimes I just think of a number and sometimes I don't even put too much of a thought process into how they get to that number. Um, but that's just the number that came to my head, 28, 27, a lot. Of, I, I could see this being a 30 point affair for both teams. I don't know what the over under is in this game. Um, I'm sure Vegas has it around 55 or closer to 60, maybe around 59. Do you know what that is off the top of your head? Uh, I haven't checked the over one time. Okay. So. If it was if it was at fifty five, I'd put I'd put money on the over. If it's yeah. sixty, I'd be well, that's tough. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be really interesting. Yeah. So um I I see it playing out um much like Cincinnati. I think in the last three or four minutes, the Steelers will be down a field goal. They'll get close enough to to, to get the game tying field goal, but they'll be going for the touchdown to win it, and then just have to hold off a last second attempt okay. that a field goal doesn't do it. Do you have them um, as trailing in the waning minutes and coming back and well, winning? I have them, you know, trailing, but also in a in a position to where they're ready to tie, but go for the win. Yeah. So I can't help but notice that we have an individual in our YouTube live chat, Mr. Carter Smith, who is a based on his avatar as a Saints fan. And that's fine. We always have some people from the opposition join our show and listen to the other side of the fence. And he keeps on stating that uh, the Steelers are a different team on the road. Um, really, they're not this year. So I just want to make that clear. Um, they Up until their three-game losing streak, where they did lose two on the road, two out of three on the road to Oakland and to Denver, they were a very good road team. Someone said they were better on the road than at home. Um, so will it be difficult to go into the Dome and win? Absolutely. Is there a team that can do it? I think Pittsburgh can. I think they're going to have to really lean on their silent count. They're going to have to go no huddle. They're going to have to be creative on how they approach their offense. But um, I wouldn't chalk this team up to what they had been in the past, where when they go on the road, they just completely buckle and shut down. So do you have anything to say about that, Dave? Um, absolutely. This is this is their biggest challenge. This is a bigger challenge in New England. Um, this is why it's not a letdown game, because it's – it's their most difficult opponent of the season. So the question is, are they going to step up um, and play that the way that they can? And that's, and that's when I see the Steelers play their best is when they're the, the stronger, the opponent, usually the stronger they show up. But if you want to talk about trends and that they don't play well on the road, but you know what they do play well with the NFC South. Mm -hmm. Um, those, I mean, the closest game was the game in Tampa where they had the big lead, but just had to kind of hold on at the end. And it's just progressed as the season goes, went on to the game against Atlanta and then even more against Carolina. That's if you want to talk trends, let's look at that one. 
Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think in the three games against NFC South opponents, Ben Roethlisberger's averaged about 311 yards a game, and I want to say his touchdown-to-interception ratio is 12-2. to um, So he had great games against Atlanta and then a huge game against Carolina. Um, I think that basically right now I, I see two teams that are in flux. I mean, everyone talks about how the Saints, you know, ever since that, they haven't played as well since they lost to the Cowboys. I know those three games were on the road. I'm curious to see how they do. Um, sometimes teams get caught up with, you know, a, they, they look good around midseason. Look at the Rams. The, the LA Rams are another good example of, in my opinion, some defenses that are starting to catch up with the offense. And that happens sometimes, especially as you get into the postseason. So, um, all right, here we go. We got some questions coming in. This is what we always do at the end. So uh, let's go. Someone asked, Greg asked, if you win the coin toss, what do you do? Do you win or do you defer like we did or you take the oh, ball like we did last week? Is this because I wrote that article last week going into the Patriots game and I get asked this? I don't know. You got to answer it now. I, have, I deferred every single time I had a chance when I was a coach. That was always what I did. I'm like, let's put the defense on the field, uh, make a stop. If there's any chance of starting slow, you don't want to start with your offense going three and out. Um I'll tell you, that was one key from this past week is that the Steelers did not have a single three and out against the Patriots. Um, so I can see it either way. It's got to – you've got to do it based on your opponent. Um, I can see them wanting to go in and trying to silence the, silence the crowd. I don't know that you're going to silence that crowd. I think your better bet is to try to take advantage of the crowd when they're still all in the restroom after halftime mm -hmm. so that they're not back in their seats. Um but at the same time, do you really want to play from behind against Drew Brees? So, you know what? The defer the option. Don't even call heads or tails. Just let them decide. <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> um, you know what? You you could take the direction, but uh, yeah, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. No, I, I will admit I have coached in games where the team has instead of saying they defer, they said they wanted to kick off, and we actually received the ball both times at, at the at, for each half. So uh, you don't ever want to do something where you're going to pull that off. So yeah, no. um, I honestly. I'm going to uh, show a little bit of faith in the coaching staff that they know a little bit more after practice this week of what they want to do and say, you know what? I'll live either way. Yeah, I think that this is a game very similar to last week. And I was not shocked that Mike Tomlin said, take the football if we have the option. And it's, it's what he said in his presser this week. I didn't want to give it to Brady. You don't want to give it to Breeze. You don't want to give it to them and have them have the option of going seven, going up seven to nothing early in that game. You want to set the tone. You want to be the one that they're chasing. I think that in this game, if they have the option, if they win the coin toss, they're going to say, give us the football. We want to, not to quote Matt House, but we want the ball and we're going to win, you know? <laughs> we're going to score. Uh, yeah. So um, here's another question. And we asked, I asked this question last, last night in our other show, and that is, will Chris Boswell make all of his kicks on Sunday? If they want to win. He better. Well, yeah, but I mean, what's your <laughs> touch you? I, mean, they, I um, can say that with anything. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him a pass if he hit, if he misses anything from 47 yards or further. I also don't know if they're going to give him a chance to kick anything from 47 yards or further. But he is in a dome. Yeah. Um, there shouldn't be any other factors involved other than his own freaking head is his biggest problem um we'll see i when he came out to kick that 48 yarder against the patriots i did turn to people around me and say you know what if he misses this we, we just watched uh chris boswell's last nfl game but he knocked it through and uh let's let's see him have a long career let's say he hits them all yeah i think he does i i think he if it, hopefully they've they have Swishin back up there and uh we'll see. Um here we go. How good do you think Jalen Samuels will be next year after he drops the traditional Steelers running back year to weight, which has happened. It's <laughs> funny, but it's true. Le'Veon Bell lost weight after his rookie year. James Conner lost weight. We assume that Jalen Samuels will be put on the program as well. What do you see as the future of the running back situation with you have when you have Connor and Samuels both healthy? Um, 
I just like having the option that if someone goes down, you got the next man up ready to go. Um, the running game really comes down to the offensive line. It always has. Um, guys want to get big contracts. Guys want to hold out. You know what? It's those big boys up front that are that are making it happen. So as long as that offensive line is intact, it doesn't matter to me which guy you put back there. I think that they both have some great skill sets, as, and Randy Figner's done a good job of taking advantage of those. So as long as they scheme, as long as they block, I think the sky's the limit for either one of them. So I don't see them both on the field at the same time. I just don't think that fits well into the scheme of things. Um, it's it's going to be a one or the other, but a shared workload is something, you know, maybe a 65-35, you know, 70-30 workload is something that I could see going forward next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's do one more question here. I like this question. How often should the Steelers go five wide offensively in this upcoming game? Do you have the stats of how often they did it last game? Because it seemed like it, they were in it a lot. No, but I do have an article running tomorrow morning uh, for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on Ben Roethlisberger's comments about five wide and how he really likes it, how he feels that they have the weapons now with Eli Rogers healthy, with James Washington kind of hopefully, I shouldn't say kind of, with hopefully turning the corner and begin, you know, becoming a little bit more consistent. Then you throw in Ryan Switzer, if Juju's healthy, Antonio Brown, uh, you can even throw tight ends, Jalen Samuels. They have the weapons to run five wide, but there are some disadvantages to that, pass pro, um, things like that. There's no threat of a running game because there's no one back there with Ben. He's all by himself. So they did do it a lot, I feel. It was the 92-yard drive was um, all five wide, I believe, until maybe they got in the red zone. What are your thoughts on how often they should deploy that, looking at the Saints' defense and how they run things? I like them mixing it up with that. Um, I, I think it's just when you get in trouble is when you do the same thing over and over again. And the fact that you don't know what they're going to do when they come out, whether they're going to go spread, you know, is Rosie Nick's going to come out there at fullback? You, you just don't know. Um, and you've got to be willing to do whatever you need to do whenever you need to do it. I think the key to the five wide is going to be right around – 2.55 in the afternoon on Sunday is when you'll know. And that's when they come out with their inactive list yeah. because that was the big surprise this past week when they activated Eli Rogers, brought him up. I just assumed, well, they're not going to bring him up and sit him. I don't think they're going to sit James Washington anymore. They never played Washington and Hunter at the same time. I just assumed Switzer's injury was worse than we thought and he was going to be out. But they went with all those receivers. They, they dressed them all. So are they going to do that again this week or not? And I think it'll be very telling when the inactive list comes out on whether or not the Steelers are thinking they're going to go with a lot of five wide or not, because if they are, then you'll see all of them active again if they're all healthy. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, health is going to dictate a lot, but I think the Steelers ultimately are not going to go into a game and say, we're going to run five wide this game, or we're going to run our, you know, 31 personnel or whatever the case may be. Uh, people switch the numbers around in, in different sects. But nonetheless, um, I think the Steelers are going to come out. I, I do like having a back in there because you at least have the threat of running. Uh, but we'll see how that pans out. Now, Ali Howard, who's a, a regular listener on our show, he's giving me crap saying that because I say that James Washington will have a breakout game every week. I thought last week, if, if you're going to consider what he's done so far, has he had a breakout yet? It would be last week. Um, he had a good game last week. James Washington performed well. He did. He made a combat catch on the sideline, which is what everyone said he was going to be doing as a rookie. Um, maybe like the Steelers, it's a stepping stone for him. He's going to get better from there. I don't know. What do you think from James Washington moving forward? I think James Washington has got to show that he can do it week in and week out. Last week was great. Um, yeah, he didn't have a Everyone's like, oh, we didn't have that many yards, but he had the most yards of any receiver on the Steelers. Um, so that that was one thing. He, no, he didn't find the end zone. But that that combat catch down the sidelines, that was the catch that Steeler fans have been waiting for since the preseason. That's what we were told he could do. And I think that's what was most disappointing is that we hadn't seen that when push came to shove, well, there he goes up in what was the biggest game of the year so far and makes that catch. So I think it's just uh, 
he's got all the potential to go forward from that now. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. We both obviously picked the Steelers. We'll call us homers. That's fine. I live in that. I don't live in my fears, you know, like Mike Tomlin. So if you got red paint, you paint the, they paint the barn red, right? Dave, isn't that what he always says? Oh, that's one of them. <laughs> I know them all, man. I know. Them all. And you don't want to paint with a broad brush. <laughs> well, we don't want to paint with a broad brush, but if you do have a broad brush and you do have red paint, you want to paint your barn red, obviously. So with that said, I feel that's a good ending point for the show. I thank you for stepping in for Brian. I do want to incorporate you into some uh, off season podcasts that we're going to have worked up for like the NFL draft and stuff of that nature. Cause folks, if it's your first time listening, we're not going anywhere. We'll be around all off season. Um, we'll be around all the rest of this season in the postseason, in the Super Bowl, for the parade, you name it. We'll be there for it. Yeah, I said it. So make sure you follow us on all, all, all of our audio platforms. That's Art19, Stitcher, that's uh, Google Play, that's iTunes, that's uh, Spotify. We're everywhere. Type Steelers, and you'll typically find us in your first few selections. Also, make sure you follow us on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com, search BTSC Steelers Radio, and then obviously behind the steel That's where it all happens. 10 articles a day, everything from podcasts to analytical stuff to commentary to the latest news. You've got it all right there. Your one stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news. So, Dave, thank you very much for filling in. We'll see you next week on another Steelers preview. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of the Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.